Hello and welcome to another edition of In The Zone. This is episode 5. I'm Giancarlo Alino and of course we're joined by Chris Martelli, Anthony Piniello. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Mixcloud and soon YouTube. But guys, let's start off with TLC because there's a big event on Sunday night. And in the main event we had a triple threat TLC match with Becky Lynch. Asuka, Charlotte, and we found out where there's a new women's champion. Chris, tell the listeners about that. Well, it, to, first to mention, it was the first ever women's TLC match, and it did not disappoint. Uh, for me, it was probably match of the night, if not that, obviously, the AJ Bryan. But yeah, this match, um, storytelling-wise, booking-wise, it all made sense in the long run just due to... Um, Ronda Rousey's interaction with Becky and Charlotte in the past. So Ronda coming out and costing both of them the title kind of made sense to me here. I like how Ronda got booed because, again, we all see how how much the fans love Becky and Charlotte and, you know, the work they put in. But I was very, like, again, you guys said, uh, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, that you guys said Asuka would win. We did. Didn't, yes, we did. <laughs> didn't, didn't, really, uh, didn't really see that coming, but um, now I guess I know why. I guess they're going to build to either Becky or, and Ronda or Charlotte, Ronda, whatever, whichever way they want to go. But I, I think, you know, overall the match was incredible. Charlotte, I got to give credit to her. She took a lot of hard bumps in this, you know, yeah. the spear through the barricade, <laughs> basically getting all of Becky on her on her ribs like that she actually was... like jumped right on her like yeah. her ass right in the and middle of her stomach table didn't break <laughs> so <laughs> like <was> it just <laughs> it was it was a match for the age uh, for me um because a lot of people they they look back and they they think of charlotte and sasha and the hell yeah. in the cell and how big that was like for a first time as a woman's to me that was good but it wasn't like as good as i thought it would be and then when you think of this match and tlc tlc is one of my favorite matches it's been since way back with Edge Christian, you know, all those guys. But this match to me was incredible. They used every weapon possible. Um, you know, we've seen Charlotte. She has this now, this addiction with the kendo stick and just going off with it. So I guess that is going to be, um, I guess, a part of her character. I'm not sure. But this match to me was incredible. Oscar winning. It's, it's, it's something different. It's something that we haven't seen yet. So I'm excited to see where they go with that. For the... For the first like women's matches, like the Hell in a Cell, the Royal Rumble, to me, the first TLC women's match is the best one they've done. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, okay, it's different. There's the TLC, but then you have like a Royal Rumble, where the Royal Rumble obviously is a lot more time-consuming and a lot more, I guess, exciting. I mean, like the match quality match, itself. Yeah. Like the Money in the Bank was all right too, but this like one. everyone played their part here. Charlotte, I think she might be the best actress, like an actor, like in the whole WWE. Like oh, I can't yeah. tell if she's injured. Or if she's just playing the story, she's just <laughs> she's unbelievable when I watch her. I, I Alino, I said to uh, a couple of my friends the other night, I said, where would you rank Charlotte right now? Out of like every whole, I got every wrestler in the whole industry, we basically all said she's top five. Yeah, including men. Yeah, that's how good agree. she is. Yeah. She's uh, she's one of the best, and we definitely saw it in this match. You know, I mean, Oscar still. Promo-wise, very weak, but again, you know, she can't really speak English, so maybe in the long run, we can maybe get a manager for her, um, or maybe even a heel turn. I'm not even sure where this title run could even lead. That's why I'm excited to see what happens on SmackDown with these three. Yeah, there was also another match where 
I was actually surprised watching it. There were some boos in Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. What, was this uh, as bad as a lot of people were making it out to be? I'm going to say yes, because um, I think what most people were expecting was a brawl because yeah. of all the heat that was going on, and they just wanted to they just wanted to see them kill each other. And they started the match off with a headlock. Oh, my God. Does that make any sense? Can you guys go into that? It just... You, you, you've seen feuds in the past where it's like Braun and Roman. Yeah. And they literally... Like, I know the fans weren't 100% behind the feud at the beginning. It's like, okay, you have Roman. They're shoving them down our throats again. But at least Roman and Braun, when they went at it, they literally beat the hell out of each yeah. other. Here, again, like what Pinello just said, this is a feud that's been literally happening like on and off for four years now. Like and yeah, again, the heat that Dean got and turning heel on one of the most emotional nights that I can at least remember in a while, you would expect both of them to literally come out, grab chairs, make this a no DQ, beat the holy hell out of each other, and whoever's the last one standing gets the IC title. Not only does that elevate the feud, it elevates the belt, because the belt has been nowhere for yeah. I don't know, I'd say maybe two months now. Ever since the SummerSlam match, when Rollins won back the title, he hasn't been able to kinda Elevate the belt. It's been taking a backseat with the whole shield thing. Uh, that, that, that brings me to another point. I feel like this match, at the end of it all, it focused way too much on the shield. Like, at the end of the day, yes, you guys were both a part of the shield, but Roman's not there. And, you know, the whole idea here was for Dean again in Seth's head, and he clearly did. But I just thought that the ending was just, it, I think it fell flat. Like, just basically him going for the curb stop, missing, and then just running into a dirty deeds and getting the pin. It was kind of, kind of anticlimactic. For me, I kind of enjoyed it. Just because Ambrose, every week he was coming out and he's saying, like, Seth is going to lose control and all this, and you don't really think much of it. Yeah. And then at the end, Seth is like, he's talking to himself, and he's talking to Dean, and he's, he's wasting time, and he's, he's kind of losing control. And to that point, they kind of stuck to the story for I let... So, so yeah. <laughs> it's just, again, like, it's, it's a situation where if you're Vince McMahon and you're obviously the, 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 the core of fans, it's like these guys are literally going to kill each other. And, it's, and the, the thing that also kind of hurt it for me was it went on after Brian and Styles, and yeah. that match was really good. So, again, the crowd may have been a little tired. So I'm not blaming the fans. Obviously, it's not the fans' fault. But, like, we've seen in the past where there's situations where, like, a hell of a match happens like Sean and Taker and then you follow up with Orton and Triple H and like the crowd's just dead yeah. so I mean like it, it's just it's tough to kind of like take into account like how bad this match was in my opinion I, I, I think it got graded a C yeah it wasn't a fan and of <laughs> we've seen in the past like when they faced each other at Money in the Bank 2015 for the for the for the title in the in the in a ladder match, that match was inc- that match was insane. Like Seth was throwing Dean through uh, through la- for, through ladders on a pile of chairs. Like he was going off in that. So I was just I was very disappointed with the outcome. Again, it's just one of those where you look at the stipulation. It's like why is there no stipulation? Like we've seen and um, should have been no DQ and. Uh, yeah. But again, Dean winning here is definitely, for me, the best thing that could happen. Again, like we said before, Rollins, I think, elevating himself. Hopefully for him, it's just uh, trending up from here on out. I think they should make up for this match and go at it one more time. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe at the Rumble? Hopefully. I said it on last week's podcast. I got the prediction wrong, of course, but they should still keep it going because they shouldn't end on this note. It just wasn't good. There's still so much heat there, and they got to end it the right way, and then Seth can move on. 
Well, yeah, you know who wasn't a big fan of this? Vincent Kennedy McMahon was not a fan of this match. And we saw, okay, this card was amazing. We had that AJ match with Daniel Bryan. Phenomenal match. And then after that, we have this match with Dean and Seth. And then the crowd knows what's coming later. There's Becky, Asuka, Charlotte. So TLC wraps up. All these reports come out. Vince McMahon's not thrilled about this. Monday night, he comes out on Raw. The whole family's in the ring. Baron Corbin, you're fired. You're done. <laughs> and then they make their announcement. This is a whole new era. What did we see on Raw that was different than the last era? Honestly, nothing. Um, the only thing that was different was uh, they kind of wanted to listen to the fans like they use that kind of thing where it's like if the fans say I want tables, they got oh, the tables yeah. and they put Baron through that. You're the authority. Remember that. Oh. So that like that that was pretty cool. But again, seeing the same four faces kind of come out and like basically, okay, it, it doesn't make sense. And they come out and now they're all of a sudden they're all faces. Yeah. Like even Vince in this was playing like a face kind of character. Like at first he was a heel, but then. When Baron came out, he's like, ah, like, fuck this guy. Like, I don't really care. Like, like get out of here. Like, we're going to put the odds stacked against you. You're not getting your job back. But, like, there was nothing new here on Raw. There was nothing new. And that's what pissed me off. They say there's going to be new faces debuting. There are, but they spoiled every single new person coming. I hate, I just... Is the element of surprise dead in professional wrestling? I think so. Because, like, the viewership is it's so down, and they have to promote it, so they already give it away. So, like, oh, this guy's going to debut next week, so we have to tune in. It's just guys like Lars Sullivan, who've been, like, getting video packages for, I'd say, like, what, a month now? You can't just announce when he's coming and what show he's coming. I think they, I, don't, I don't know if they announced the shows, but they, they announced the six people. And, like, this is huge. Like, you have EC3 and Lars Sullivan. And those guys are they're, they're big names. Like, they're going to come in right away and make an impact, at least I hope. Oh, for sure. So, I hope so, too. The only positive for me coming out of Raw was, I guess, showing the new faces that are coming. But, again, the whole promotion aspect ruins a surprise. And it just ruins the fans' experience in general. So, like, I just, uh, I love how on Raw... The four of them came out, and they took up so much fucking time. Oh, yeah. But to start sure off thanks. SmackDown, it's a backstage segment of Shane standing on, like, a box. And it's, like, three <laughs> minutes. <laughs> they really hate SmackDown, do they? I, you know what? At the end of the day, when it comes to time, I feel like they do that because, again, they, they understand that Raw's three hours, SmackDown's two hours, commercial break. So, technically, SmackDown is, like, an hour ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. Which is, if you think about that, that's kind of pathetic. But they get the job done every week, whereas Raw is basically two hours and ten minutes, but it's with a bunch of talking and nonsense. And replays of what happened. Well, what you missed in the beginning. We're going to show that throughout the whole three hours, <laughs> just in case the last two you didn't see it. The only, the only different thing that I liked on Raw was they kind of, they did the open challenge, but Tyler Breeze came out, was which cool. was kind of cool. <laughs> and that he got some offense in on Dean, but it, at the end of the day... What a fighting champion, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's one of those, it's one of those Raws where, again, yes, the viewership went up because of Vince McMahon, but did it actually, like, work out? Did, like, was it a good show? Not at all. Was not a good show for me.
What I think they did good was what Pinello mentioned on SmackDown. They had Shane there, but I think that was more of a fresh start than what Raw was because you saw Mustafa Ali finally, he's a main roster now. He's in a tag match. He gets a win over Daniel Bryan. That's big. We saw The Miz knock on Mr. McMahon's door. Ballsy. <laughs> yes, very. And he actually asked him permission for something. Is Shane there? Uh, I'd bless your blessing <laughs> to be my partner. Can I be honest? In this meaningless storyline that's fading every week, you could just see it's fading. The Miz is somehow carrying it and making it relevant. What else is new? <laughs> he is a top five Play, like character in the in the whole WWE, like you have to just look at this guy and be like, this guy is one of the best actors. He's a safe pick. He's one of those guys you can insert him into anything, and you know it's going to be money. He's like make it relevant. Again, give him the WWE title. He deserves it. I'll say the the one thing I didn't like about SmackDown is removing Paige as the GM because yeah. that's literally the one thing that they got right over there because they're not focusing on the authority figures. She was putting the focus on the wrestlers. Now I feel like if the McMahons take over, or whatever the hell they have in store, it's just going to be the complete opposite of that. Another thing I want to bring up quickly on SmackDown that I liked was finally, we saw Sanity come oh, out and the club. and beat the hell out of the Usos, and finally they look relevant. Because fuck man, they've been up for what, three months <laughs> yeah. now, and they did nothing. And I was so disappointed, I'm like, these guys are so good. And you bring them up. And I don't want them to get the, the revival treatment. I don't want them to get the ascension treatment. Because they were borderline there. And now finally they attack the Usos. So hopefully Sanity can get a title shot against the bar. Or the bar loses to the Usos. So I think SmackDown it, it was Sanity and the bar. Versus the Usos and the New Day. I, I don't yeah, remember who next it was. Week. That's next week. Oh, that's next yeah, week. They, they um, taped SmackDown, both SmackDown for Christmas Day. To uh, give their talent a break. Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler right there. Another guy where um, we're talking, the club was back too, so that's good that SmackDown looked past that they had three teams. Like, they look backstage and it's like, wow, we have all these teams on our roster. That's good. And uh, <laughs> next week, we saw this promo with Shinsuke Nakamura. From what I understood, because I can't really understand what he's saying, but he was saying that Rusev is a total diva <laughs> and he should not be afraid of him next week. So another spoiler alert, uh, next week, Rusev is going to take the title off of Shinsuke Nakamura. What do you think of this? And what do you think of Shinsuke's title run? Honestly, let's look at it from a wrestling fan standpoint. This is one of the most disappointing title runs that I can at least remember the last five years. Because here's a guy that feuded with AJ Styles for at least three months, put on pretty good matches. One of the better characters, at least. To start, when he was heel, he was one of the hottest characters in the WWE. Fades again into mediocrity with this whole US title. I guess it's cursed. I have no idea. But the title reign was just so bad in that he didn't defend it. And when he defended it, it was like first match on the card, pre-show. Like Even like at Survivor Series, when you had Rollins versus Nakamura, I thought at least Nakamura would get the win. Yeah. Didn't win. Like he hadn't he basically lost almost every match, so I guess this is good for Rusev because he's one of the most over guys with this whole Rusev Day thing. But again, I don't want Rusev to get this title and then fade into, you know, Curse. mediocrity. So I mean, 
it's good for it's good for SmackDown, I guess, and you want like I guess a new chapter, a new change going into twenty nineteen. You have Rusev as the U.S. champ, but Nakamura, man, like if he just basically because we all know he's a free agent going into the new year. If he doesn't do anything after this, like let's say, because I've heard rumors saying, oh, like if since he lost, he's gonna move up the card again. Yeah. If that happens, that's great. If it doesn't happen, you have to go to Raw because you like you're basically nowhere on SmackDown. He's basically a guy where he's turning into Ty Dillinger, where they don't know what the fuck to do with him. It's like, yeah, you you had a good heel turn for two months, but now like. Your run is over. Like we don't know what to do with you. I feel like they realized they messed up with the Styles thing because he should have taken the title at some point. Yeah. And then as a consolation, they're like, "Yeah, we'll just feed you the U.S. title and we'll figure it out from there." Kind of like how most feuds go. We'll just give you the U.S. title and it never results in anything. And then here we see another waste who, of a. Who feud. did he beat? Jeff Hardy for it? In like five seconds. Yeah. So so again, there's another reason why. It's not taken seriously. Jeff Hardy is 39, 40 years old. He did the low blow and then beat Jeff in five seconds. They didn't even get a match at TLC, did they, Shinsuke? No, I don't think he was on the card. 12 no. matches and the U.S. title is not on the card. <laughs> or The Miz, which is uh, oh, man. surprising. Still one of the best uh, pay-per-views of the year, though, yeah. in my opinion. Basically because of the three matches. Well, not Seth, but like there were three good matches. But let's not talk about that. Let's talk more about Shinsuke, but... Yeah, the U.S. title, I mean, it's good for Rusev right now because Rusev has deserved at least some sort of prize with, yeah. with you know, how well he's done with the Rusev Day and the merchandise and all that. Because you know how when merchandise, you know, when the sales are up, Vince usually, he, he gives you some sort of, you know, treat. But, I mean, we've seen over the last two years, like ever since Cena lost the U.S. title, it's been nowhere so I mean, can Rusev can Rusev put it somewhere? Maybe, if not, then Ru then we'll be talking in two months. Rusev being nowhere, they should let him show his personality more. Yeah, because like like when Shinsuke showed that Total Divas clip, yeah, like it was jokes, <laughs> but he's a funny guy. You can relate to him. Yeah, because when when he cuts his promos, you can noticeably tell he's reading a script, and it doesn't come off as believable. They well, should. You gotta look at his tweets too, right? He's like, a funny guy. Tweets. Yeah, he's a funny guy. <laughs> And like, a lot of people. He's good. <laughs> I, I just feel like WWE uh, uh, officials don't take Rusev seriously I'm when it comes to like pushing him to the top. Like we, like I've heard rumors in the past where, remember when he was like beating everybody? He even yeah. beat Cena at Fastlane. He was beating everybody, but apparently Vince looked at Rusev and said. After Cena, like we don't really know where to put you on the card. Like we don't we don't want to put you facing Rollins for the title. We don't want to put you facing Lesnar. Like like we don't want to put you in that position yet. So instead, they basically put him on standby. And then when he cut his hair, apparently they punished him for that because he didn't tell anybody. So then he was basically a jobber for I'd say four months. Yeah. And then he and then thank God he got aid in English. And then this whole Rusev Day thing became a huge success. And now look where he is. But Again, I hope that this run makes him, you know, like it makes him a threat because we saw, what was it in the summer? He he beat Daniel Bryan to face Styles at, at was it at SummerSlam he faced Styles? Or Crown Jewel? I don't even no, not Crown now. Jewel. What am I saying? Hell in the Cell. I don't I don't remember where he faced him. I we'll think it was Hell in the Cell. Yeah, he faced him at some <laughs> and that point. was a pretty solid match. Yeah. 
And the build-up to that, I remember I was watching it with, I think, you, uh, Brian versus Rusev. And when Rusev won, I was like, oh, okay, all right, <laughs> this is different. So, like, it's just, like, the, the element of surprise is just, it plays a huge factor. So, like, Rusev winning the title from Shinsuke, it's not really a surprise. But I want this run to be, like, really good. And I want to see what they could do with the U.S. title. That's yeah, just my take. I agree with you. Like, with Shinsuke, too, this guy won the Royal Rumble this year. And then he goes to WrestleMania to face AJ. He didn't win the title, but he turned heel. And everyone was invested in that. It was so good. He never won the title. So it was he was losing all the time. And then the U.S. title, when he finally wins it, this is an opportunity for WWE to, like, have a main star, like, Someone charismatic like Shinsuke. You go into his New Japan stuff on YouTube. It's amazing. And the U.S. title to me, it's so irrelevant right now where it should be up like New Japan does with Chris Jericho and the Intercontinental title where you want to see that attraction on the card. And yeah, I agree with you guys that Shinsuke's run hasn't been the greatest. And if they don't re-sign him, he might go elsewhere and then they might know what to do with him. So... Uh, There's a lot of stuff going on. Another there. another thing I want to quickly bring up with the U.S. title is I think they rely on too many heels winning the belt. Like, yeah. like, like foreign heels holding the U.S. title has become like a storyline built in the whole industry. Like it's <laughs> like it's like they have like a like a like a folder in the back. And it says foreign heel U.S. champ. And they basically like there's like a folder and you'll see like 20 different heels that have held it. And the run. Like, I, no, like, I'm actually convinced they have that. And, like, you know who I think is the next in line for that? Andrade. And oh, hopefully, yeah. Yeah. hopefully his run will be good. And then the other uh, American-Mexican champion from the past, Rey Mysterio, and they'll both fight for it. And they'll say, oh, USA, USA. And that'll be on the pre-show at WrestleMania. Yeah. Probably. Oh. yeah. But well, that's, that's my take on the US I title. would also bring up because... Um, after all these call-ups were announced, the Velveteen Dream started a ruckus on Twitter and started tweeting, Vince, where's my call-up if the fans are in charge? We want Dream. His Twitter account is, uh, there's no tweets to be found. And uh, Tommaso Ciampa was another one where he was letting his voice be heard. Like, uh, yeah, those guys going up, they're not going to be like him. So if it, you guys were in that position to call up talent and you had the choice of five, who would you call it from NXT? Oh, Def honestly, as much as I love the dream, the kid's only 23 years old. I'm Prodigy. letting him stay in the minors Prodigy. for a couple more I years. I agree with Pinello. I think he's too, like, he's amazing. Yeah. I would call Ricochet up before him, but Ricochet is obviously like, I feel like he's, he's the champ right now, right? Yeah, he's, he's made, he's made a name for himself on NXT. I, I guess I'd, if I had to call five up, to be honest, one of the guys I'd call up is uh, Tyler Bate or Pete Dunne. I'd call one of those guys up, maybe bring him to 205, spice it up a little bit there. Uh, Lars Sullivan's a guy you have to call up. He's ready. For me, Alistair Black, another guy I think is ready. But again, the program that he's in right now with Gargano and Ciampa is like must-see, like yeah. one of the best storylines of the year. The fact that now Gargano attacked Black and now turned heel and they're basically, the way I look at it is, I don't, I don't know if it, a lot of like our listeners watch like the Dark Knight movie, but it's basically Gargano is Harvey Dent in that he, you, have, you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Yeah. So has he gone so far like evil that he's now aligning himself again with the guy that basically beat the shit out of him for two, three months, his former tag partner. So if we're gonna see a heel DIY come back and beat the hell out of Aleister Black and basically force, 
here, this is how I would book it. I'm getting like goosebumps right now thinking of this. I'd basically have Gargano and Ciampa beat the holy hell out of Black that he can't even stay in NXT. Like he has to get called up. <laughs> like, I, like, okay, I know that makes no sense, but basically, like, there's nowhere else for Black to go. Yeah. Like, like Gargano and Ciampa for me, I can't call them up right now because they're running NXT. They've been running it for like a year and a half. Don't call them up. But Black, to me, is the next guy to come up and make an impact. But, guys, NXT is just... It's amazing. It's way better than what to do with it's, it. it's on a different level. I feel like after Mania, you know when these big debuts always happen the night after? Those three specifically. Because I'll let this ride out a little longer, and then it's going to happen. But for me, I think they got it right with EC3. Yeah. Because that guy is just money. He's he screams dudes. Monday Night Raw. He does. And for my few, first feud with him, honestly, I think I would feed him Kevin Owens. Oh, yeah. Because the mic work would just be out of this world. I don't know about the in-ring stuff. It would be kind of whatever, but their promos would be amazing. And for his first feud, I think I would give him Kevin Owens. That would be a safe one. Well, we've seen EC3 and TNA be the main guy there. Yeah, and we, 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 we've seen him potentially being a top guy. And I could see him being the top guy. He, ha- he has... He has the body for it, he, like what Vince wants. He has the mic work. And a lot of guys that are coming up now, they, they have no mic work. They could be the best wrestler in the world. You have no mic work. You're not going really anywhere. Look so, at who we just talked about. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I want to see EC3 face Kevin Owens. I think that would be a treat for a lot of fans. And even, uh, what was that other article that you showed? Sami Zayn versus Elias. That would also be... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, coming back for Sami Zayn, yeah. that'd be... Just that'd be two huge. obnoxious guys going at it. Another money segment. That would be fun. Yeah. Uh, EC3 would be... He's definitely... I would say, the like, when he comes up, I think he's the guy that you got to focus on the most out of all the call-ups, I think. Like, he's the guy that you got to focus on. But it's still Drew's world. We're living, in Drew, we're living in Drew's world Like right how now. Impact Wrestling is slowly uh, taking over WWE, all those guys. Because now there's another big match with EC3. How about him and AJ Styles? Those two were Whoa. in TNA at the same time. They never crossed paths for that world title. Here's their opportunity. So that'd be interesting. EC3 getting it's called fu- up. I just want to quickly, before we like get off of WWE, I want to quickly bring up a rumor that's been circulating. I know, Alino, you know a lot about rumors. You get yeah. it a lot from, uh, from your uh, outlets. But I've heard rumors that Styles is going to move to Raw and he's going to feud with Lesnar. I've heard rumors about that. And like instead of like making Seth go and get the title, they were thinking of doing Styles versus Lesnar and having Styles beat Lesnar. And then you have Drew basically take it from Styles. And like that kind of makes the passing of the torch like right there easier. If we get Drew and Styles, I think I'm okay. But in my opinion, AJ Styles bleeds blue, and I do not want to see him leave that brand. I don't either. Unless they make him win the Royal Rumble and face Lesnar to yeah, the like, title, yeah. and SmackDown, what they have is they just swap titles and make the Universal title blue, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I but yeah, I don't want to see cool. a blue title. I don't want to see the, that. The more, after seeing that Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, I, now the, it killed it for me. I don't want to see him face Lesnar now because I think they just tarnished that whole buildup now with him and now fans are booing his matches. Like I think he's in a bad position now if he wants that spot with Lesnar. Seth is a guy where he's going to have to work the hardest the next month. Yeah, He's that guy where now the spotlight's on him. Like Vince basically said backstage, he's like, you, uh, like the plan for you was to face Lesnar, but after that match, like 
you basically run me the wrong way, so now you have to prove me wrong yeah. the next month. You have to work your ass <laughs> he off. Even being offended with Dolph Ziggler, I think that one paper, the Iron Man match they had, where it was um, even at SummerSlam, yeah. that match was. Oh, he's man. got a, he's got a lot of work to do now, and especially now in December. This is crucial to go into the Royal Rumble. Your stock has to be high, and I think yeah, he picked the wrong uh, pay per view to have that uh, outing. So Seth Rollins, you're gonna have to put in the work. That's still a to. slap in the face, though, because he's yeah. arguably the MVP of this whole year. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's funny. Like, after one match, like, Vince basically is like, oh, like, I don't know if I'm invested in you main eventing. But, like, you look at the past. This guy was heavily relied on. Like yeah. You have a flop here and there, whatever. But then Both he's hit looking, it at the You're next human. Yeah. yeah like, he's looking at Roman, though, because when Roman is going out, he's getting a reaction every night. <laughs> Seth Rollins is going out now, and now slowly the cheers are up. Burn it down. And a little lower. And <laughs> matchup with Dean Ambrose. I think he really got rubbed the wrong way. Especially now Vince McMahon's got a lot of money invested in XFL. He's not going to... If, if that league goes under too, he's going to be even more mad if WWE stock starts going down because of Seth Rollins. So, I totally uh, forgot about XFL. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that Seth Rollins has to do between now and the Royal Rumble. So before we leave, I just want to ask another one question. That's just after the Rollins-Ambrose match, is it a lock to say that Rollins doesn't win the Rumble? I think so. I, I don't think he's going to win the Rumble now. I think even maybe I think the Rock's name's been thrown around, but he would have to his schedule would have to meet with WWE. But I think it's the Rock, and then I wouldn't be Drew McIntyre if he wins. I wouldn't be against. Or is this whole Vince McMahon thing just basically like all like an act? Just to get people. Just to basically have Seth look like the underdog and have no chance, and then he wins the Rumble. Then that's genius. There you go. That's my see. I, He's working everything. Like again, like I love Seth Rollins. You could ask this guy. He's probably my favorite guy in the industry right now. I, you have to have him win a rumble before he's done, and I think it's now. I know Drew McIntyre's the guy that everyone's looking at to win the rumble. Another part timer, I guess, could come and win, but I definitely don't want that. Rollins, to me, is the guy right now where it's like, let's put all our eggs in, the, in his basket. We'll roll with him with Lesnar because Rollins, he can carry he could carry a, a good match, I think, with Lesnar. As long as Lesnar is willing to work with him, I could see that. Like, we saw at Royal Rumble 2015, yes, it was majority Rollins-Cena, but Lesnar did work well with both of them, yeah. and he basically said, I will put on a great match. When you curb stomp me, I'm going to put my head in the mat. Yeah. I'm going to make it look like I got a concussion. Well, I'm not here the next three months, but so I have if, all the time uh, to recover. It could go awkward, too, because if, let's say Seth Rollins, we saw in the past with that buckle bomb, what he does to Finn Balor and Sting and John Cena, the knee to the nose, you better pray to God he doesn't injure Brock Lesnar, because Brock Lesnar's got a big payday in the UFC. Well, do you remember when Braun, uh, do you remember when Braun need Lesnar oh, yeah. last year? He went in strong oh, he punched him right there. So if, if Seth Rollins wants to have a career past that, and uh, let, better not ruin Brock's paydays after that. No. But yeah, that's it for wrestling. Yeah. Holy. That was good. <laughs> now let's move on to the NHL because, yeah, that's what we talk about. It's been quiet in the NHL actually lately. Not a lot of buzz, but I do want to discuss one huge thing that we have not discussed yet, and that is Seattle is getting a team in, tw- is it 2021? Yeah. 2021. 2021. Now, the question I have to ask here, we saw Vegas Go to the Stanley Cup Finals after one year having their team. Can you see Seattle being better than Vegas in their first year? Yes or no? Absolutely not. 
Was that just like a one-off thing? Like that'll never happen again? I want to say yeah. But like it was a whole collection of players thrown together for the first time and a new system and that may have thrown other teams off. And you're kind of seeing it this year that everyone's kind of catching up with them. Like with the Leafs, how uh, we were saying, oh, uh, Matthews and Marner and Nylander aren't going to do as well because people are familiar with them. Now everyone's familiar with Vegas and the way they play. So that's kind of where I'm at. I don't, definitely don't think they'll have the same success the first year. Yeah, I agree. Because I think Vegas it was like who was available in that draft. Like you had Marc-Andre Fleury. Mm-hmm. Like you had a great goalie available for you. And then you had other players too. Like uh, Marsha So was available. With Seattle's up for the draft, I don't think there's going to be as many top, top players available. So they're going to have to settle for maybe the third line guy. The third line scorer that gets like 15 to 20 for their first year. But... It also depends how much their owner is willing to spend. If they're willing to spend to get that mu- that team in the league, I think they will be willing to spend because they also want an NBA team back. So they want to prove to that market that they can sell the fans. So it depends. But a free, it's going to be hard to like convince a free agent to go there. So uh, the cap I'll, goes up. Sorry, at yeah, yeah. The end of this year, right? It does. Yeah. It goes up every year, basically. Oh, it should go like up. like, two, like, like two, two mil. It yeah. goes up two mil That's every year. So about. that'll play into the factor of. Not as many players will be available because teams will be able to sign them. Yeah, that's why guys like Flurry and Marshall somehow are available. I want to quickly just bring up some of the top free agents that are available in 2020 for them to sign potentially. So the number one guy on the list is Nick Backstrom, but he will be 32 at that time. Another guy that we've basically <laughs> well, it says Marlow here, but he's going to be 41 then. So that's Probably retired. That's that's not happening. Petrangelo is another name they could potentially sign. Corey Crawford, Taylor Hall, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Michael Granlin, Barry. There's a lot of good names there. If they can at least grab a couple, why not? Like, why can't... It's crazy because you have so many good options nowadays. Like, look what happened with Vegas. Minnesota had Alex Tuck. They had to give him up. Like, there's teams they have to get... Like, I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if Andreas Janssen's gone from the Leafs in, like at that time. Like, get rid of him at the deadline. Or that, too. <laughs> I don't know. I have Kadri. Can you imagine they swap a deal and say, you know what? Give us a couple first-round picks and we'll get give you Kadri. And then they get a lottery pick, the Leafs. Flip Kadri for a lottery pick. To me, like, a lot of fans, they don't understand how exciting, like, this stuff is. Like, at least as a hockey fan, because it's just so unpredictable. Yeah. Like, I didn't know Marc-Andre Fleury would go to Vegas, almost win the Vesna Trophy, get, like, three, three, four shutouts in the playoffs, go to the finals. Like, that was that was amazing. Like, that, like, last year's playoffs was, like, a playoffs we haven't seen in a long time since the Kings won. It's a feel-good story, any way you look at it. Vegas going all the way and Ovi finally getting his time. Uh, like, it's crazy to think that we're going to get another team now in Seattle it's going to be 32 teams now, matching the most with the NFL. And, uh, wait, no, not the NFL. What am I saying? Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball. Not the NFL. What? Um, but, like, okay, you look at Seattle, you look at Vegas. Now you have to look at the, the whole realignment of the NHL. Who do you think is going to be affected the most in this? Because I'm pretty sure Detroit, I think they were saying they might have to move to the West again, which would make no sense. And then Arizona might have to switch divisions. But who would come over then if Detroit were to go to the West? I think they were. Uh, 
Who's the, I think it's it's one of the it's one of the Canadian teams that would have to come over. Well, it doesn't make sense though. I know. Who? It's, who? it's weird. <laughs> no, I don't think they Winnipeg maybe, but other. Okay, well, so who? So there's eight and is there eight and eight in the East? Yeah. Well, Columbus. Oh yeah, Columbus is there now too because the last one when they changed it, it was Columbus Detroit went from the West to the East. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so then, no. So then we're good. Yeah, they're so good. So it'd be eight, 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 eight. It's okay, mostly so. Arizona that get uh, passed over because now they're in the Central. Okay. So they're gonna go away from the West Coast. To, so that's the team that would get yeah. fucked over. <laughs> Arizona would be the team. But now the next thing I want to quickly discuss is NHL All Stars. Because voting's up now. And there's a lot of great players that basically I didn't think would be leading the league in scoring. I didn't think there's some D out there that are shitting the bed hard. Um, But here, basically, the fan vote, there's four – There's I'm sorry, there's eight players. There's Burns, Subban, Tavares, Ovi, McDavid, Stamkos, Line, and Marchand. Who are the big eight right now? Who would you have out of all eight of those? Who do you think would be the guy that gets snubbed? Because there has to be a couple snubs here. Can you repeat them again? Yeah. Burns, <laughs> Burns, Subban, Tavares, Ovi, McDavid. Sorry, not Marshawn. Crosby, Stamkos, and Line. Okay, Subban's there because he's a character, but hasn't he missed the last month? Yeah. That doesn't like. <laughs> I'd say Sue Ben to get snubbed. I think Sue Ben too. And uh, put our buddy Mo, the show, Riley in there because he's having a phenomenal year. 11 goals scored. <laughs> it's just so basically, never. So, yeah, so there's eight of them and there's four. There's four divisions. So you have to have a captain. So basically, out of the eight I said, you have to vote one of them for like the, the captain of the division. All right. So for me, obviously, I'd be picking Crosby, McDavid, probably Burns. And I don't, I don't even Ovi. know. Maybe Ovi. Oh, no, I can't pick Ovi because oh, yeah, I'm picking in, Crosby. Uh, yeah, he's in Is it a Stamkos for our division? So yeah, Stamkos and oh uh, Tavares would be for that. For yeah. the Leafs in Tampa. But th- to me, that makes no sense. I'd still put Matthews over Tavares. But no, yeah, maybe I think they're looking at because uh, how much games did he miss? Uh, oh, a lot. a lot. He missed. He missed a month. Four, so Fourteen, I think. Yeah, so maybe that's he, what they're basing it on. But yeah, I'm with uh, you. I'd throw Mitch in there. Why oh, not? Yeah. He's leading the way for us. <laughs> he, he's in here for voting. For the Leafs, it's Mitch, Matthews, Riley, Tavares, and Anderson, which is yeah, it's like, the, I yeah, think that's, that's a good one. That's what you expect here. But for me, like captain-wise, for the Central, I'm giving it to Nathan McKinnon. I'm not giving it to anybody else. That's a layup. Yeah. Like No, because here right now, it pictured is uh, P.K. Subban to like captain that team. And again... I think he's only captaining because he is a character. He's, he's the guy. The cover of the video game. He's the guy that's on the mic talking to you know to, to Pierre and being you know all jokes and stuff. But yeah, man, give it to Nate McKinnon. He has to be the captain of that team. He's been one of the best players in the in the NHL. Fifty five points. I think he's been the best. You think he's been the best player in the league? Yeah. I mean, he's, that duo's got to be there. There's no way. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hard to argue with that. <laughs> Do you guys? How many points does Rantanen finish with? He got another two last night, and they won two one. He looked great. <laughs> I'm going with ninety. Ninety. He's 90. at sixty. I think. Yeah, he's going to slow down though. I think ninety is a nice number. Does 90. he hit a hundred? He hits ninety nine. <laughs> Just because I'm a troll like that. Can I be honest with you guys? You guys are gonna laugh here. I'm gonna say. <laughs> Let's say he gets 112. Oh, oh yeah. God. And here's 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 the reason why. 
He has 58 in like 36, which is a number that I haven't heard of in quite some time. That point a game is like 1.8. So you're averaging almost two a game, which is like Lemieux. Like it's like Lemieux-esque. That's stupid in this day and age. McKinnon has solidified himself as a top three player right now. Yeah. Rantanen is only getting taught how to play better with McKinnon. And he's just piling up points on his own. He has more than McKinnon. I think three more than him. McKinnon could also get 100 points. I think he's a lock right now for me to win the Hart Trophy. But that's for another podcast. Can you imagine if they both get nominated and Rantanen wins it over him? <laughs> that, but that... I could see But that. that's like Kane winning over Taves in like a playoff. You know what I mean? I could like, see that. <laughs> Like it happened two years in a row. Oh my god. Like I would laugh. That'd be pretty funny. I'd be pretty cheesed. (laughs) Another guy that I quickly want to discuss. Not well, not guy, guys. Another pairing that I want to discuss. Where would you rank Goudreau and Monaghan right now out of all pairings in the NHL? Because we've seen Skinner, uh, you've seen Skinner and Eichel, you've seen Monaghan, I mean uh, McKinnon and Ranton is number one. They're the best duo right now. Dreisaitl, McDavid are obviously there. Matthews and not Matthews. Marner, Tavares are there. Where would you guys rank Monaghan and uh, and uh, Goudreau? It's a tough one, but they're doing good this year. I still don't put them where like Stamkos and Kucherov and like Tavares, Marner area. But I'd say eighth in the league. I may put them top five. They showed it on um, Sportsnet last night. Not the duo, but like the whole line. Yeah. And they showed Landis Cog, McKinnon, and Rantanen. Rantanen are just killing everyone. And then the second is Calgary's top line. So they're getting the majority of their uh, points. So yeah, you can argue they, they're they a top are. Five they duo. are. They are. I mean, uh, before the whole year started, I always talk about fantasy with Pinello. And I always say that Goudreau is a guy where he could lead the league in points. Yeah. He's that type of player where he basically. We've said before, if Goudreau and Monaghan are not going, their offense is probably one of the driest in the league because their bottom six is like... That's like Dallas too, really. Yeah, like, but again, Ben has not had the best year. That's what I but Radulov and Sagan have, have been carrying it. But again, like, another, like just before we, we get out of the NHL, I just want to quickly discuss Thomas Jabot. His season has been insane. Ever since Carlson left, he's like, you know what? I, I'm Eric Carlson 2.0. I will carry the blue line, and I will get the most points. He leads right now. You know, out of all D, he leads in points, right? That's our future for Canadian D. That is. Olympics, let's go. That is, uh, that is actually insane. I remember before, way back, Chabot or McAvoy. I'm pretty sure I said Chabot. I'm pretty sure I did. If I didn't, please correct me. You didn't. I said McAvoy shit either way both great players but Chabot's better (laughs) Chabot yeah Chabot is uh, where would you rank him right now out of all D in the league like 10th he has to be top 10 right now what's he had you said 35 points 36 he's playing almost half an hour a night yeah especially being thrown into the all-star game I mean, okay, so he has 36, Riley also has 36, and then Carlson has 35, which is the top three offensive defensemen. I was thinking Eric Carlson for a second. Nope, yeah. not, not Eric. <laughs> Eric only has 23 points, two so goals. Systematic, yeah. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, that's basically it for All Stars. Uh, one more thing I basically want to quickly discuss is Elias Pettersson. Oh, we man. talked about He's him last man. week. Um, is he the best player on Vancouver right now? Or like, just period? In Vancouver, yes. <laughs> so, okay. I, I quickly want to just basically get things straight here. Is he better than basically half of the NHL right now? Like, in the West. Like, you look at centermen and strictly what they do. Like, who would you compare him to right now? Like, strictly in a comparison. Ooh. Like, it's hard. It is. Because he's so unique. He has what? He has 17 goals already. And he, this is a type of player I see. I, I see him in the SHL. I see him dominate. He was insane. And it's like, does this guy, like, is he a playmaker? Is he a scorer? Like, what is he? What I is thought that? he'd be a playmaker. I thought he'd get, like, 20 goals tops and get, like, 40 assists. But that, that's not happening. I love watching guys when you don't know what kind of player they are. Like that, for I, me, for I, me, that was Matthews. Yeah, I feel that way with McKinnon. I'm like, these guys can just do anything. Yeah. <laughs> they can check. They can make plays for all their teammates. They're skilled. They're fast. Like They're like the total package. They're, they have the it factor in the league. But Patterson, I don't, it's really tough to compare him with some because we haven't really seen a type of player like him in the first year just come on and... It's crazy. I mean, okay, so here, I'm going to throw a name out here, and I want to see if you guys agree here, but he's got the skill of, like, a Matt Duchesne, but probably better, but he's got that skill there. But he's got that two-way game that I see, like, in, like, takeaways, and a guy like a Mark Shifley, where, like, he can dominate the game. And Pedersen, can you say he's kind of like a Shifley and that he leads in points, I think, for Vancouver? Shifley leads in points for Winnipeg. He's the most impactful on Winnipeg. Pedersen's the most impactful on Vancouver. Can you guys see a comparison? But yeah, maybe. If, like, if those are the two names you're throwing out there, I think you're in pretty good shape. But yeah, I, maybe. I think he's a little more skilled than Shifley. It's, <sighs> this guy, I think, is going to tear the league up in, like, I'd say, maybe even next year. Maybe this year. They are very similar to yeah, what they do for their team, like you said. A lot of people also throw out Kuznetsov with Pedersen when it comes to skill. Because, like, Kuzi has that flashiness. So does Pedersen. But, again, Kuzi, I think, is a little quicker. He's a, he's a better skater. Little time. But, again, <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to understand Pedersen's identity. Because, again, we don't even know it. That was like me when Matthews came in the league. Because everyone's like, oh, this guy's a playmaker. He's got the IQ, you know, to feed guys in the, in the offensive zone. And then he comes in his first game, gets four goals, and like I didn't see a lot of passing, and I'm like, okay, is this guy a scorer? Is he a playmaker? And we can now safely say he's one of the best goal scorers in the game, other than Ovi, obviously. But uh, yeah, that's basically it for me talking about the NHL. I just want to say one more thing. Um, who's been the biggest surprise, like other than Rantanen? Would you say Nick Backstrom? Yeah, at Backstrom and Pedersen too. Like just what he's. It's like. Henrik Sedin left, and they right away they felt that void with Elias Pettersson. He's just been so good and scoring, and it's actually making Vancouver a fun team to watch. We haven't seen like this team really get people's attention in the last few years, and now it's like wow, people want to actually watch Vancouver play again on whenever they're playing on Sportsnet. That's including me. I thought he would finish with like 17 goals. It's blowing my mind what he's doing yeah, right now. It's crazy. 
they they did a, they did a whole different article on him on NHL.com. It's like uh, they said I think Pedersen's like magical run or something, and it's like, it's yeah, insane. like this guy's insane. Like we saw Matthews come in the league, tear it up. Now we're seeing Pedersen come in the league, tear it up. We saw Barzal last year come in the league, tear it up. And he's got the top, he's got Besser and Horvat around him yeah, too. They got a nice young gross. core. But like, look what Pedersen's already doing with Levo. <laughs> Levo, <laughs> yes. What a guy. Like this guy already. I think he. Uh, I think in five games he has four goals and two assists. Was never a fan of him with the Leafs, but I am very happy for him that he's getting a chance there. I am very happy. with a guy yeah, like Yeah, top six yeah. right away. So yeah, we'll get you. Come here, top six. <laughs> that's insane. But anyways, that's enough of the NHL. If you guys haven't watched Pedersen yet, you should tune in to watch him. He's, oh, he's pretty magical. But anyways, let's go into the NBA. One of the, one of the most watched sports. And I quickly want to discuss a guy that has been tearing. We've been talking about rookies in the NHL, Pedersen, Besser, all those guys, Barzell. I want to talk about a guy in the NBA that's basically come in the league and said, you know what, Atlanta, you screwed up drafting down from third to fifth. I want to talk about Luka Doncic and his magic that he has done so far this season. Alino, Quickly discuss Luka Doncic and how impactful he's been for the Mavs this season. To me, I think he's been the biggest surprise because when he got drafted, I'm like, okay, he could come into that team, play a role, but it's going to take a while before he finally develops into like a real solid NBA player. And I don't know, after seeing him play the first two months of the year of this season, I think he's probably the best player in that draft right now. Way better than DeAndre Aiden. Like When I see Aiden play the first few games, I'm like, I think Phoenix really screwed up here. They could have picked Doncic. They could even like they should have traded down, similar to what the Celtics did, and then they gave up Fultz to Philadelphia, and then they took Tatum. So I think this is going to be a similar situation that people are going to be talking about. Wasn't uh, Aiden uh, like a, a surefire pick at the time? Because yeah. I remember watching the draft, and that was like the lock to go number one. Yeah. And now the way things are panning out is like it's kind of weird, isn't yeah. it? It's crazy. Well, like okay, so. Aiden went number one, and in NBA drafts, what we've seen in the past is it's the best fit, like position-wise, and obviously Phoenix had no centers at all. So they took DeAndre Aiden, they had to take him. He was amazing. He had the ball handling, his field goal, he's actually having a great year. No one really talks about him. He's he's 55% from uh, field goal. He's averaging double-doubles in his first year, which is amazing. Mind you, he is playing like 38 a night, which is, yeah. that's a lot of pressure for a young kid. Another guy, Marvin Bagley, going second to the Kings. He only went to the Kings because, again, they don't have a power forward center that can carry a franchise tag. Like, Willie Cauley-Stein, a great player, but like he's not a guy that it's like, okay, we're going to put you out there 35 minutes a night. You're going to have to drop 20 points a game. Like, that's not... The offensive guy that they drafted in Cauley-Stein. So they're looking at Bagley, and his his college numbers were insane. And it's like, you know what, Bagley, we're going to throw you in there, and I want you to average at least 18 a night and get at least nine rebounds, you know, do your thing, play more defensive. But Luka Doncic going from third to fifth, that was a big mistake, man. Like, I, I feel like... Like Doncic coming in and he's averaging 18.4 a game. He's averaging 6.7 rebounds and 4.9 assists. So he's doing everything when he's out there. He's one of the biggest game changers. We saw like last week. If you guys haven't seen on our Instagram, uh, I, I dropped a video with Luka Doncic basically torching Houston in the last 10 minutes of the game. <laughs> he dropped the last like 11 points for Dallas, which is insane. 
I mean, they're the backcourt of the future, Doncic and, De- and uh, Dennis Smith. Like, those two guys are going to be insane for Dallas. And another crazy thing, uh, knock, knock on wood, hopefully Nowitzki can go for another like year or two, but that guy, he's on his way out. Yeah. Now Doncic is like, you know what? I'm going to give you the key to the, to the franchise. And he, he basically already has it. So it's crazy to think that a guy that you, you draft down, it's like, yeah, you know, we don't need Doncic. We're going to take Trey Young. It's like, well, like, what potential did you see in Trey Young that you passed up on Luka Doncic? And that guy was unreal getting drafted in the, was he in the Spanish league? Yeah. He was amazing in that league. And again, like, I get it. Trey Young, supposed to be the next Steph Curry. He's averaging like 29% from three right now, and that's god-awful. And he's on Atlanta, and that's a team that basically they need Zion or they need R.J. Barrett yeah, to basically get over the hill. Yeah. But Luka Doncic, guys, he has been one of the best rookies. Now, all these, all these analysts, Stephen A. Smith, this guy is one of the best rookies I've seen since LeBron James. That is a huge statement to make. Uh, that's how you stir it up. Yeah, that's how you... Uh... <laughs> but I quickly want to bring up the NBA awards in the history. And basically the last three have been Ben Simmons, Mark, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, and Carl Anthony Towns. And they're saying that he's putting on a better rookie year than those three. Obviously Brogdon. But Simmons last year was almost triple-double. He averaged 15, 8, and 8. And then Carl Anthony Towns averaged 18 and 10. So, I mean, like, when you say statements like Doncic having the best rookie year since LeBron James 15 years ago, that's insane. Like, that's something that you, you kind of you want to stir it up, <laughs> and that is debate. But, like, guys, like, where would you rank Doncic's, like, rookie year so far? Like, we've seen guys like Irving have amazing rookie We've seen Blake Griffin come in the league as an athletic freak. And basically dominating. So, guys, like, I don't know. Like, where would you guys rank Doncic's run? Like, I do not agree with Stephen A. Smith. Like, <laughs> he needs to cool it down a bit. I know he works a lot of hours. Uh, he's on, like, 25 <laughs> different shows. But Doncic is having a real good rookie year. Could be rookie of the year. But I think LeBron, it's yeah, LeBron, 15 years ago, he was on a Cleveland team that was horrible. And he was scoring all their points. So, you can't really compete with that. Uh, Blake Griffin had a real good uh, opening, like, to his career John Walls was not too bad Irving's was not too bad uh, Jason Tatum I thought had a real good rookie year last year and if Ben Simmons didn't come into the um, the NBA maybe <laughs> a year later I think Jason Tatum makes a case that if he, he didn't have been. the Philly curse injury yeah. who's there with Doncic right now for rookie of the year it's literally Doncic Sexton um, I would put DeAndre Aiden in there. And also another guy that we haven't really talked about, Alonzo Trier. He's on uh, the Knicks. He kind of like, he was like a guy that was like overlooked. And he kind of just came in and he's like basically scoring a lot. So, But I I, I think Doncic is like the lock yeah, to win it. He's been consistent. He's too. been the most consistent, the most efficient. And he's basically made his team better by himself. So I'd go with Luka. Luka winning uh, Rookie of the Year. Up next is, guys... The NBA All-Star Game is coming. Now, it's all about voting. And I know there's a lot of names, and I know there's a lot of guys that we got to put in there. If you guys had to make an NBA All-Star team right now, who would it be? I'm going to need the positions for this, and I need to look at a list of names. Well, there's point guard. (laughs) So I'll help you out here. Guys that are balling out right now. Steph Curry, 
balling out, I'd start him. Can't go wrong. Russell Westbrook, honestly, I would not start him. I haven't heard his name a whole lot this year. Yeah, it's been a surprise. I'm not going to lie. I think Paul George has been the better player out of both of them this year. And I'm very happy that he signed an extension there and everything's working out. Um, so you have the point guard. So I'd get, probably give it to Steph Curry or Kemba Walker right now. Oh, he's been solid. Um, Everyone, I don't know why everyone's so surprised with Kemba Walker this year. Hasn't He's always been a great player. It's like people are just realizing him now. It's now Michael Jordan's getting out of his seats when he makes plays. So that's a big... Uh, either that or Michael Jordan's just saying, you know what, please resign here. I have a lot of money in this team. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. So, yeah, Kemba Walker's been amazing. Like, it's... So, when you, so the, I'll give you number. I'll give you names now, Pinello. Here we go. So, for the East point guard starters, the big guys that I'm going to throw at you are Ben Simmons as a point guard because he is a point guard. You have... Kemba Walker, who for me should, she deserves it. He should probably start. Kyle Lowry, John Wall, and maybe throw in a hat. I guess maybe you could put in, um, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe Kyrie Irving. He's another name. But for me, Kemba Walker is the guy that you start 100%. I think he's the guy that deserves it. I'll go fantasy bias and I'll go Ben Simmons. (laughs) (laughs) And it's crazy you say that because he would be a first-time All-Star too. It'd be his first year and then he, he starts. And then you have shooting guard. In the East, it's kind of up for grabs because the the Rosen's yeah. gone. I'd probably give it to Dippo, but Ooh, he's been great. Yeah, but uh, he just came back from injury, right? He just came back from injury. But another guy that I, I like a lot this year, and he's not getting the love, is Zach Levine. Like he's a guy in Chicago where they're awful, but he's getting he's doing everything right. He's scoring. He's getting threes. He's doing those uh, you know those highlight reel dunks. I think I would throw Zach Levine, maybe not starting, but I'd put him in the All-Star game. What do you guys think on Zach Levine? I, he's having a good year, but I think his injury passed and the fact that he hasn't been super consistent might take his chances out when you guys have guys like Gordon Hayward coming back and Kyrie Irving and Lowry. Kawhi Leonard's in the East now. Um, there's just so much. Even Ibaka's playing amazing this year. So maybe his spot in this is going to be based on the voters like the writers and other like coaches in the league that put them in there so who would you guys say would start for shooting guard for shooting guard Dippo. yeah i think Cole Depot for me okay so also then we go to small four and this is obviously no surprise i think this is a lock leonard starting yeah in the all-star game 100 percent uh i would say jason tatum but your competition is Kawhi Leonard, and that when it comes to fan voting, that's not even close. That's a lock. So, um, <laughs> like it, next position, after it, that. It, would, it would have been LeBron James, <laughs> yeah. but he's not there. So, the second best guy, Kawhi Leonard. Why not? Now we go to power forwards, and this is exciting because there's so many great power forwards. Like you have a you have Ante Dacumbo, who f- probably should start, but we've seen a resurgence all of a sudden from Blake Griffin. And he's looked like an MVP candidate, so it's tough to kind of assume like who starts because again it's fan voting. But for me, put Giannis starting. But you have to. I think Blake Griffin is going to come close there, and it's it's definitely tough. I think the Greek freak is going to start, but as a point guard. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I think they're going to like the way the positions are. They're going to say, "Oh yeah, the Greek freak point guard," and then shooting guard will go with Kemba Walker. Just to get that really cool position, the debate around there. Oladipo and Levine on the bench. Kawhi, the small forward. I like it. I like it. And now for the center, 
I think it's a safe bet that Joel Embiid is yeah, starting center for, sure. for the East All-Stars because he is one of the best in the game. West, I'm going to say Steph Curry. He's a big name. Uh, I don't really like a lot of others that are in there. Like Chris Paul, love him. Don't think he should start an All-Star game with the season he's having and just Houston in general. But James Harden lately has been... He's been cooking it up pretty nice. Um, I put I put James Harden starting shooting guard. Sorry, DeRozan, your streak's over. You're not going to start, I don't think. I, I would still put him in the in the All-Star game. Yeah. May, actually, you know what? Maybe even not. Klay Thompson's another name that does he doesn't get appreciated enough. He's a guy, he broke the record this year for most threes in a game. I, I, w- I would put him in, I think, maybe even over DeRozan. But again, it's fan voting. DeMar will probably get it over. Thompson, small forward. KD should start. He probably will. Tobias Harris, another guy. I think he doesn't get enough love. And then the power forward, I'd have LeBron. And then the center spot, maybe Anthony Davis. Yeah, I think Towns. So those two playing together now translates to my next topic where LeBron James basically the other night saying, oh, I'd love to have Anthony Davis on my team if we traded for him. Oh, that'd be great. Now here's the big question here. Do they trade for him? And if they do, who the hell do they trade for Anthony Davis? Because Kyle Kuzma right now is looking like one of the best teammates with LeBron in a long time. He's he's rolling with LeBron. Like we've seen Irving be a great fit with uh, with LeBron. We've seen Kevin Love, even guys like J.R. Smith. They because like LeBron James needs a catch and shoot guy, and that's Kyle Kuzma right now. Do you trade Kyle Kuzma, ruin that whole chemistry just to get Anthony Davis? Do you trade Lonzo Ball? Because he's been balling out right now. He's He just got a triple-double the other night with LeBron, the first two pairing since Magic and uh, Kareem to do that. And those two guys are bonafide Hall of Famers and one of the best ever. So, guys, like if, if Anthony Davis goes to the Lakers, let's say he does, who the hell do the Lakers trade? I don't think they trade anyone. I would If I'm them... Because uh, he has an opt-out after this, like, next season. So, I, right now, slowly say, yeah, Anthony Davis would be cool if you come here. Like, slowly just start making him uh, comfortable to the idea of leaving his team. And then they have enough cap space where they can afford to have him on the roster with LeBron. So, by then, you don't have to get rid of Lonzo Ball, who by then, like, in another year will be even better. You have Kuzma, Josh Hart. Um, who else? They have? LeBron. And then, Ingram. Yeah, Ingram. So right now, I wouldn't even trade any of them and keep them all together. It's like that when you add Anthony Davis to that, you're way better than probably the Golden State Warriors will be at that point because there will be so much fighting in that dressing room that KD will be gone. Uh, Cousins will definitely be gone. Oh, yeah, he's gone. And then you're going to be back to Curry, Thompson, and Green. And if those guys are still even friends at that point, <laughs> yeah. I mean, who knows yeah. who will be gone there. But, yeah, I would just weather the storm right now. Go into the playoffs knowing... You probably won't win, but at least do your best to get past the first round, and then you add Anthony Davis to a solid team. I mean, I I, I feel like it's just kind of like a buzz. Like LeBron's like, I'll say this and see how much media I yeah. get from it. But if it does happen, they're gonna win. I think they're gonna win a championship with Davis yeah. and LeBron. Most, cool. That's potentially the be- the best and the best together. And like we've seen Davis, he get he gets praised by every reporter, every player. Like I put him top five. I might even put him top three when all is said and done at what he does, defense, offense, everything. Um, if you because like it's perfect timing for LeBron. Like let's say LeBron does start slowing down. 
Yeah, which Smith it probably almost, won't. Yeah. But if he does, now you have a guy like, okay, Lonzo, I'm going to feed you the pill. Kuzma, you're a you're a you're an efficient scorer. I'll I'll feed it to you. Davis, you you can drop 27 a game. Like what like where does that put LeBron? That'll put him at like what, 20 a game, 19 yeah. a game. So like if they get Anthony Davis now, I don't think they'll win this year, but like it's going to change the landscape of the NBA, just like when LeBron went to Miami, just like when KD went to the Warriors. Like, again, we talked about super teams, but, like, this would be a super team. Like, we're talking about Anthony Davis, who is potentially the third best player in the NBA, and LeBron James, the best player in the NBA. The only duel that would be better would be KD and LeBron, but with their egos, I can't see them playing together. I, I, will, I can never see that. Another... And, uh like free agent by that point will be the Greek freak and imagine the Raptors re-sign Kawhi and then by then Kyle Lowry will be uh, his contract will be up they can say see you later Kyle Lowry in comes the Greek freak you got the Greek freak and the claw together against Anthony Davis and LeBron in the finals you're the worst yeah. oh there, would, there would be there would be no competition that like, would be, like uh, it would be basically four teams in the NBA that's it Boston Raptors okay five you have to include the Sixers yeah. Those three, and then the Lakers and the Warriors. That's it. But no one even else. Like Damian, no one else matters. Damian Lillard's another name that's been like trading block. Like, there's always rumors around him. I don't think he wants to leave Portland, but if that team continues to struggle, maybe the Lakers might look to trade for him, and then they'll have uh, Lillard for sure. They'll have to trade Lonzo Ball, but they'll have LeBron, Lillard, and then maybe Anthony Davis comes as a free agent. That's so. terrifying. Do you think Davis's long-term injury problems are over? Okay, here's the thing with centers, and I've been harping on this for a while, and this is why I hate fantasy basketball, is they pride so much on playoff basketball that they basically leave their centers to 65 a year. It's like you're going to play 65 a year. You're not playing 82. And it's not even that like they're injury prone. It's just you think that because they play 65 a year. Like Davis... I think he's averaged over his career like 65 every year. But he drops like 28 and 14. And like it's cr- and he's only getting better from the three-point line and he's only getting more efficient. It's scary. So like <laughs> guy like so guys like Anthony Davis coming in the league, you see now guys like Joel Embiid that are looking at his game and it's like, "Oh, he's starting to shoot three-pointers." I want to be better than Anthony Davis. Joel Embiid, obviously, for me, clear-cut number one pick in the 2014 draft by a long shot now. When you look at Wiggins and Parker, a long shot. Embiid is by far the best player. And, like, another guy. Like, people don't understand the impact that Anthony Davis has had on the game, like, from a center standpoint. A lot of people are saying, well, Joel Embiid changed it. No, Anthony Davis was the guy to change it. And, like, Anthony Davis was the guy to be like, okay, I'm going to start shooting threes. I'll be different. I'll start shooting threes. And now guys like Embiid coming in, they're shooting threes. Guys like Carl Anthony Towns are coming in, shooting threes. Porzingis shooting threes. Like now guys like Craig Monroe wants to start shooting threes. Andre Drummond wants to start shooting threes. We need G- JV to yeah. take some lessons here when he comes back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like the, the whole center spot, it's only getting more athletic because of guys like Anthony Davis. So if Anthony Davis goes to the Lakers, him being one of the most athletic in the league, joining one of the most athletic ever in LeBron James, that's saying something. And like, it's crazy. You say Damian Lillard, he is probably one of the best scorers in the NBA and no one talks about it. Like last year, him and Davis 
at the end of the year, when it was all said and done, I don't care what you say, they were better scorers than Kevin Durant at the end of the year last yeah, year. They were coming out, definitely. dropping 35 every game. In the fourth quarter, it's like, yeah, you know what? You're staying on. I don't care if you have no stamina left. You, We're going to give you the ball. You're going to shoot the last shot. And it's crazy, but damn it, if Anthony Davis goes to the Lakers, I'm on their bandwagon because I love Anthony Davis, I love LeBron, and I hate Golden State. <laughs> yeah, because Golden State, we've seen they're on like cruise control every year now because they're so good. They already know, oh yeah, we got uh, DeMarcus Cousins already coming back soon. So they're not even at this point, they're just going through the motions. And once the playoffs come around, then it's like, okay, there's there, a real Golden there's State. There's even some games I look and like they'll be down by 10. And, like, Steph Curry will be, like, laughing on the yeah. bench. I'm like... They don't care. <laughs> we like, know we're coming yeah. back. Yeah. It's like, we, it's like we're down 10. Oh, we're here at Oracle. Oh, whatever. We'll score four deal. threes in the next minute. Yeah. So, like, with that being said, are you fond of the super teams? If it... Okay. If it leads to more players becoming more, like, uh, motivated, then yes. But, again, like I said, at the end of the day, it makes the competition, like, like the teams, like, they don't matter. Like... We could talk about Denver right now being in second in the West, but like no reporters are saying Denver's gonna go to the finals. Like they're not. I'm sorry, I don't think they are. Like they have Jokic Murray, they're up and coming, but when you when you run into the Warriors in the playoffs, you're not winning. You're bounced in four. If you were to run into the Lakers, <laughs> you're not winning. If you run into the Raptors, you're not winning. I'm sorry. So like if you if you start having super teams, the NBA, yes, you're getting all the merch you want from those five teams. But other than that, like, everyone else can kind of, like, you know, fuck off. Like, you're not going to win. That's why guys like Kemba Walker and Damian Lillard are praised because of their loyalty and that they haven't left yet. I'm waiting. I, I think they're going to leave. I think both of them are going to leave. Oh, I hope not. Yeah. It's a rarity in the NBA. Yeah. I hope they retire there. <laughs> like I said way back in our first video with the super teams, like, I, like, there have to be guys still out there like Tim Duncan. Like, type of players like that where it's like, I want to stay with one team and I don't want to move. one. DeMar was one. <laughs> and then, yeah, but he got traded. Yeah. Then Kawhi was available and they got Like, the, the one thing that rubbed me the wrong way with Kawhi was, like, how disinterested he was with San Antonio. He's like, yeah, I won my title. I didn't play all last year. Like, get me the hell out of here. Like, you have one of the best coaches in Popovich, but it's like, yeah, I don't want to be here anymore. So I feel like a lot of NBA players now, when it comes to super teams and the idea of it, they literally look at their team around them. And it's like, well, I could, I could be on a way better team. Like, I could, like, I don't want to be here. That's why so many players now. Like, okay, look, look for example, super teams could be started from drafts too. We've seen it. Like, potentially the Sixers. They have Ben Simmons. They drafted Joel Embiid. They drafted. Okay, Jimmy Butler. They didn't draft, but they got him. That's doing it the right way, though. It is. Like in hockey, I like it because it's a team of twenty plus. But we're talking about LeBron and Davis, and that fucks up so many plans for so many teams if that were to happen. Well, well, th- that's the difference between the NHL and the NBA. Is the NHL, there's names coming from everywhere and anywhere. Like Rantanen. Like, like guys that like we didn't think would be stars, and they're stars. Whereas the NBA, you don't have a guy like... I don't know. I'll put a game, like a, like a Michael Carter Williams. Like he's not a guy that's coming out of nowhere and dropping twenty nine a game and like oh shit, this guy's a star now. Like we have the same guys that are stars every year. The only guy that I would say is now becoming a star is De'Aaron Fox on the Kings. He's the only guy that I would say he's elevated his game. Maybe Oladipo, but he went second overall. Like we kind of assumed he'd be a star, but like in the NBA, star players are more rare than like. NHL, because NHL it basically comes from anywhere. In yeah, the NBA, yeah. it's like it's all from the states and slowly Canada. There's not like a dominant European college league. 
there was like a good uh, rookie league in Europe, more people would probably pay more attention to like that type of style. But because the NCAA gets so much attention and that's where all, most of the draft picks come from, they're all just coming up from there. They all know what they're getting and they just build off from that. Even like t- like taking from your, your question, Pinello, you look at the World Juniors that we're going to talk about next week. The NHL is so unique in that when you look at the World Juniors, there's never a clear-cut winner. It's always K. Like, you have the favorites, the States, Canada, Finland, Sweden, those teams. There are surprises along the way. But there are surprises along the way. We saw Canada's streak was snapped like six years ago or whatever, and they didn't win for three years in a row. When it comes to NBA, the States are winning every year. (laughs) And like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no... When you have stars, you have stars. And they're the best. They dominate the league. But in the NHL, they can come out of nowhere. Look at Elias Pettersson coming out of nowhere. Not really out of nowhere, but the impact is unpredictable. Whereas NBA, if you have Davis and LeBron, you know you're going to come first, second. Like, you know it. So, super teams are great for merchandise. I guess I'd say even for Adam Silver, for, you know, for the NBA. But when, it's, when all is said and done, the competition is not there. And... From a sports fan, I don't like it in that you only have five teams. We saw last year with Vegas come out of nowhere. Everyone loved that. So I, I want to see a team like Denver come out of nowhere and like go to the finals, but that's not happening. I'm sorry. <laughs> Curry, Thompson, Green, Cousins. It's like you know where the end of the line is at some exactly. point. Exactly. Yeah. So that's where I stand with the NBA. I, lo- I love Anthony Davis. If he goes to the Lakers, does it tarnish his legacy? No. Because, like, he's only been in the NBA for six seasons. Again, I really want to see loyalty. I want to see him stay in New Orleans because he's built an identity there. And, like, he's... Like, the the thing that really made me upset was when Cousins left. Because I really thought that Davis and Cousins would be, like, one of the best front courts we've seen ever. But then Cousins just fucked off and left. So, if Davis leaves, it really tarnishes the Pelicans because they have nobody after that. They only have Drew Holiday. And he's a great point guard, but... He's not like a franchise guy. He's not leading them to a trophy. So at the end of the day, super teams are great for the NBA. Competition, no. But if he does go to L.A., it would definitely be be interesting because the West race alone right now is intense. But if – like the Lakers, I think – where would you rank them? Like top four in the West? Like I actually maybe even five or six. Like they're not there yet, but next year I think they will be in the top four. It's just this year they're still growing into that new – Style, yeah, with LeBron, that new style, and they're all young. It's so. just, it's just like the West right now. Like the competition is there because it's unpredictable. Because like the Nuggets are doing well, yeah. the, the Grizzlies are doing well. Like they're exceeding expectations and stuff. Jaron Jackson, all those guys. But when all is said and done, everyone's saying Golden State's winning it all, and that really is a shame because it doesn't bring any competition in the NBA. And you know, hopefully, uh, these super teams can kind of like, kind of like, like simmer down a bit. But I don't see it happening anytime soon. So, especially with these rumors with Davis and LeBron. But, anyways, guys, that's it for this week. Episode five was nice. We talked about a lot. We talked about TLC, talked about the NHL, both all star games for both NBA and NHL. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Leave us comments down below. Make sure to listen to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, soon on YouTube. That's it for us. It's me, Chris Martelli, Giancarlo Alino, and Anthony Pinello signing off.